Let's talk about characters versus people. So this is a bit provocative, right? I really, in, really enjoy this book called The Art of Characters. It's written by this guy called David Corbett. And he quotes, I think, Hemingway or some other big pretentious writer. And he says that you should fill your books with people and not characters because characters are caricatures. I think it's a bit pedantic. Yeah. The sentiment, is, the sentiment is correct. <laughs> no, I don't agree with it. People are interesting, but I'll take an, an example like Dark Vader. That Vader mm. is not people. You don't mm. have someone who is like a giant master of the dark side with immense power mm. and presence. You don't see that in your daily life. Someone who you is don't? larger than life. And that's what makes him interesting, you know. Never uh, met my mom. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG progression fantasy and royal road hi and welcome everyone to the crit rpg podcast where we do crazy stuff <laughs> with me today are void herald raven's dagger and haylock uh, who have all been on this show they're all old timers and old guests and also the young and spry um please don't kill me uh, we're going to try something different today. We're going to try something new. We're going to try actually a roundtable discussion. And because I'm kind of crazy and like, uh, you know, communication and uh, equal speaking rights, we're going to try to do something more fun. So what you'll see now is a quick time lapse of us just writing down questions. And then we're going to take turns answering those questions. So let's go. All right. So we're going to go to the left here and ask the first question. How did you come up with your most prominent character? Uh, and I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to look at Void Herald and ask you mm -hmm. first, how did you come up with your most prominent character? Uh, which one? The one that got you to number two best rated fi finished fictions. Number uh, one, so actually. Yeah, or perfection or... <laughs> Perfect one. No, but more seriously, uh, I think it's, uh, it's pretty much the same method for all my stories. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, I imagine the plot, like the concept of the story first. And then uh, I created the, the character, you know, that came from it. Like, for example, for the perfection, which is a time loop superhero RPG. Like, mm -hmm. I had the idea of a time loop superhero uh, story, like, uh, sorry, not, not RPG, but with inspiration <laughs> from it. And then the idea of the character uh, came up afterward. Same for Vanquer the Dragon, like I wanted to create a, a humorous parody of uh, little RPGs where, well, the, the main character is a dragon. And so uh, I ended up creating Vanquer around it. Like, mm -hmm. in general, I start with a basic idea of a plot, like, you know, a concept. And uh, then I came with, uh, with like a ma the main character that came mm -hmm. just afterward. So I, I see them more as prolongement of the of the core concept of the story mm -hmm. than the start of it. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. So you're saying core concept first, and then the character kind of you know comes to you. Is it that you're doing an active, like doing this actively, or is it just you know the character just like pops up? Uh, I think it pops up, but uh, the, the, like, I have a concept of a character when I start writing the, the, the first chapter, etc. But I, don't, I only get like, a solid idea of what and who they are uh, as I write the first chapter, you know. Like, uh, in some cases, like, 
for Vanquish the Dragons, uh, I I know that it will be like a dragon character and it will be played uh, as a, like a One Punch Man uh, style of story where the, the main character is OP and all. But I only came up with the fact that he is like uh, I wouldn't say an idiot, but uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, someone who is really so far up in his own ass that uh, he acts like a dumbass. I only came up with it as I started writing it, and uh, it came naturally. I had the concept, but the details of the personality only came up uh, as I started writing the first chapter and uh, mm. then beyond that. Mm. Okay, that works out pretty well. All right, so uh, Haylock or Raven's Dagger? I'm going to pick. Go ahead, hey. Haylock! Raven, I pick Raven, personally. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I volunteer you. Fight, fight, fight! fight. <laughs> uh, I don't mind going second. Uh, cool. If... If you want, hey. Like second in general or second after Haylock? No, that would be third, no? <laughs> I'm not good at numbers, I'll be real honest. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't mind either way. I've established that. <laughs> this doesn't no. make it easy, you know this, right? So come on, Haylock, let's go. <laughs> okay. Mostly tap as your writer, if that can ratio you. Yeah. <laughs> My answer might be a bit of a cop out because um, I think Void Herald answered it best. Um, mm. Yeah, very similar. I sort of I have. I have a I can either I can start with like the idea of a character mm-hmm. um, and then think of a story that would fit the character and once I start thinking of the story that sort of takes hold and the characters I'm like okay you sit over there I think of this you know the the plot the setting etc and then I'll bring the character back in and it most times it changes completely um, and yeah I have, I have I don't really I'm I'm definitely a discovery writer so I definitely learn more about the character as each chapter goes on it usually takes me more than the first chapter to really understand a lot of the time i'll or with heretical fishing i wrote maybe up until the fifth chapter and i was like then i really had a good idea of who he was and i sort of went back and adjusted to make his interactions and ideas previously more in line with the person that he became so yeah the character definitely evolves from the setting and then grows over time well rd there you go Okay, I think I have a very different answer, which is oh, interesting. But I've okay. I've had a few a few conversations with Void in the past, so I know that we have like very different approaches to writing. Um, and Void, I think, is more of a, like a plot first, setting second, character third kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I'm more of a, I, I I when I write a new story, I establish my world building and my systems first, and then I spend a lot of time designing a character. And once I have uh, a very solid character, then I put them into the world and I try to figure out a plot that makes sense with this character in this world, which is why my plots tend to be somewhat meandering sometimes and nonsensical or whatever. Uh, But they often tend to follow the character's motivations. So, so that's my order of things. So my characters tend to be a very like solid part of my uh, storytelling with my, like everything else coming second. Uh, as for most prominent character, I guess that would be Broccoli. Uh, I could say Cat from Shake Catch Up, but she's really not very interesting the way I came up with her. I just had the idea of like, oh, this is going to be like an orphan who has like a, you know, a well-established family group that she cares for, and I, I'll, I'll develop her from there. But Broccoli was written a, a bit earlier in my writing career, but I took a list of uh, all the traits of popular lit RPG characters at the time. And there were a lot of traits that I really didn't like, 
this is like for early lit RPGs when the genre was still fairly new. Uh, a lot of characters were like misogynistic. A lot of them were narcissistic or like there were basically a lot of sociopathic uh, characters with a few standouts that were like better. But the standard character at the time was very self-centered, caring more for themselves, very quick to, to rely on violence to solve problems. Mm -hmm. So I made a list of all these traits and then I decided to write the opposite of every trait. And I was like, okay, well, I, need, I want a character that fits all these opposite traits. So this character will stand out from the standard little RPG character about as much as you possibly can. Uh, and that's where Broccoli came from. Uh, even her name is like just, just Broccoli. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that was, uh, that's probably one of my most prominent characters. Uh, in in so far as like a strange way to develop the character right from the start. I'm not sure if I would suggest people do it that way, but it was it was a fun uh, fun experiment. I thought it was super interesting because even all your titles are very character centric, right? Yes. If you're looking at, for example, like I don't mean to, mean to put anyone in the spot, right? I mean, look, okay, Vayne Kerr is like completely different, but the yeah. perfect run is about the plot. Whereas, you know, Cinnamon Bun is about the character, or even Sveikat Strut is about the character, right? So, yeah, it's true. I hadn't noticed that. There, yeah, there might be a pattern there. Hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Like, maybe it's a maybe, maybe not. Like, but, a, a good yeah. title is a good title. It, 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 you might, <laughs> while you're workshopping your title, you're, you're probably not going to put too much attention to whether you're titling oh, it based on a plot oh, or a character. I, but. I never told this to anyone. But the way I came up with Torchbearer was because it was my was my Steam account name for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and like this, put a question it, about self-insert and see. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's, laughs> I I am I hope I am I'm not like Sam. I hope I don't react to to like you know traumatic situations as as violently as she does. But um, actually, okay. So this is even funnier. There's a German idiom that roughly translates that like that you say when someone does something completely stupid. And it roughly translates to, are you Madness's naked torchbearer? So, bist du denn das Wahnsinn nackter Fackelträger? And that was like the entire Steam name that I had, right? Na Madness's naked torchbearer. And then I just like took the name out of that. Very interesting. And uh, for everyone who's watching, so someone like me who does it all wrong, um, I do a mishmash, basically. So I... Um, I first came up with this idea of a certain character. So what happens to someone who's like trapped in a, in a computer? That's like a plot-ish. And then I kind of like go with the character a little bit more to kind of like understand what they, who they are, what they're doing. I discovery write this. And then I put them in a situation and see where it goes. And so, yeah, I don't know where, where that fits on the spectrum, but I think it's like the worst of both worlds because you don't know where you're going <laughs> and the characters aren't very figured out anyway. But, so. Uh... I was about to mention that, like, uh, in comparison between Raven and I, I think about the, the method of we write character is just so mm. because, uh, like, in my case, I know the story of that character is going to end before, uh, as soon as I start. Like, even if mm. I don't know exactly all the steps where they will reach, I know the story is going to end like this for this mm. character. Well, I think Raven is more of uh, someone like, Let's the character, you know, develop naturally with us having a very clear, definitive ending in mind. Mm -hmm. So I would say, in my case, the character and the plot are one the same. Basically, you know, the, the character drives the plot, but we, 
uh, usually start with a good idea of where they are going to uh, to end at the, 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 the once the, the, the plot concludes. We we'll, I know that other writers, you know, they just start with the character and then they let them write the story and uh, without a really clear ending for the character, you know. And that's a completely different approach because in the first you have to um, like you develop the character, but Knowing where he ends up, you know, you, you set up the milestone uh, about the plot that they need to meet. Well, in the second case, you let them make their own uh, milestones uh, as they advance forward. You know? So I think that's mostly the, the, the large difference uh, between different types of writer. Do you... Okay, so actually, let me makes, gives another question. So, um, Raven Zaga, you don't, you don't have... Oh, there it is again. The teaspoon. Oh, how I missed this. Ah, ah sorry. Yes, sorry. You're completely fine. But like, <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, almost like. <laughs> I do that when I need attention. Like, attention, uh, attention, yeah, yeah. people. I am to speak. Attention. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I forgot what I was, was going to say. <laughs> Uh, I got I a spoon out of me. No, um, the teaspoon's effective. Yes, very yeah. much so. So wait, <laughs> so Rev, uh, you said that the oh, exactly. So you don't know at all where your character is going to end up when you start writing, right? No, not usually. Cool. Uh, it's I think why I'm decently good at writing characters that are very powerful characters, like overpowered mm -hmm. characters, because mm -hmm. they've like they've already been established as a character to me. And then they'll just follow through and do something that is natural for them as a character. Uh, but I don't usually have an endpoint for a specific character. I might have an idea of a plot that I want to write, but more often than not, when I'm approaching a story, I'll establish my world building, and I'll spend quite a bit of time working out like the world, the maps, the the location. The uh, I spend quite a lot of time on culture. Uh, usually, that's like the, the thing I spend the most focus on. Uh, oftentimes, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time doing like small, unimportant locations within that world, and then I'll just drop a character that I know well into that, and I'll just let the character do something. Uh, I find that it's a fun, natural way for me to write. And if your character is interesting, and if you have a well-established character, readers are going to care about the character. If you've if you've established like a good amount of empathy between the reader and the character. Uh, the character can just sit at home and cook for 50 chapters and take naps and walk their dog. And if, if the readers like that character, <laughs> that's good enough. Uh, yeah. That, you know, you don't need like some huge, overly complex plot. <laughs> I, I am very envious of, of writers who do really complex twisting plots and everything. I find mm -hmm. that really cool. And I can appreciate the the artist uh, the artistry that goes into that, but at the same time, uh, I don't feel like it works quite as well for me. Mm. So it's just not the route that I've I've leaned into. For me, it's... yeah. But uh, we'll jump on that. You know, it's uh, it's a bit like you know writing between slice of life and uh, you know like a thriller. Like th these are two different genres with uh, mm -hmm. a large audience, but they rely on the writer having different strengths. Like slice of life, you need to make like the characters lovable, or their interaction. Or no, more, I agree. Uh... I could not write a mystery. Mm, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm writing one right now, and it's being very difficult for me. And yeah. even then, the mystery is like, it's it's a really stupid mystery. 
Like the, the, I don't even know what it is. I don't even know the solution to it yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just kind of going come. with it. It'll come. Get, right? like, get ready to edit. Uh, yeah, like I'm more of of Void Travels side of the spectrum. Um, I love mysteries. Um, I do pants my mysteries though, so I also didn't know how, how everything was going to end. Um, but then, like, I feel as though you can't, you can't not edit something with a plot like that. Like for Sides of Life, I think it's good, but with a mystery that you pants, you have to edit it at the, at the end. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, yeah. I don't, I don't see it working otherwise. It's just too much. Um, but I think it's also based on the personality of the writer, like uh, the writing style. I feel it's, at least that's my observation so far. Mm -hmm. It's often a prolongation of the personality or the qualities of the writer himself, like. Even in my daily life, I try, you know, to set myself a goal and to reach that goal uh, with the milestone, etc. So just the way that I think informs my uh, writing style. And uh, I assume that, you know, more other people, you know, are more, uh, you know, like impulsive or, you know, they're just more easygoing, etc. So that translates as well in their, uh, in how they write character or develop it. Uh, everyone has... impulsive. Quoi? No, 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 no. no, but I mean, like, uh, we write what we love to read, so to say. Mm. Like, yep. uh, uh, for example, I, I really can't get into slice of life stuff. Like, some and it's popular, etc. But in my case, you know, I need like to have a goal or uh, like milestone or tensions, you know, to keep me invested in uh, reading work, and uh, that's. That also means that I tend to write like that because that's something that goes naturally to me or something that I have affinities with. But each, each person is different. Each writer has uh, like interests in different genres. And inevitably, the way they write characters or their world is heavily influenced by their personality and their taste. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have people who cheat like Shortalone, for example, because he writes slice of life stuff, but then he also has like this like gigantic meta plot. Really interesting yeah. stuff. Like everyone is mm -hmm. on the spectrum. Like you know, you you mm -hmm. lean more heavily in one side or uh... <laughs> everyone's <laughs> on the spectrum. You heard your first side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, way to call out the entire author community right there. Oof, <laughs> oof, oof. Just yeah. because it's true doesn't mean you have but to say it. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I, I don't think anyone will start writing is a way a little sane. Like uh, yeah. yeah. The recent we, people, they go to school and they, they don't like, you know, just uh, sit in front of a computer and say, okay, I'm just going to write some stuff, uh, some shit about uh, like uh, a guy gaining powers by uh, increasing, increasing using the power of math. Like normal people, they don't do that. <laughs> I mean, this is how we earn money. I mean, you guys do. I don't. But we'll see about that. Um, you, you listen to the voices in your head. And then you lie about it to everyone else and write it down. And no sane person does that. Haylock, do you have anything to add? Speaking of sane people. Speaking hey, of sane? Yeah. Might be the wrong person. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, nothing to add. Okay. Agree. Then in that case, disagree. let's talk. Let's talk about characters versus people. So this is a bit provocative, right? Um, like I said, I really, really enjoy this book called The Art of Characters right up there. The blue one. Um, it's written by this guy called David Corbett, and he um, taught some classes that I was I was in, and it really formed me as a writer. And he quotes, I think Hemingway or some other like big pretentious writer, um, and he says that 
you know, you should you should fill your books with people and not characters because characters are caricatures. I think it's a bit pedantic, but um, yeah, the sentiment is, the sentiment is correct. <laughs> no, I don't agree with it. Like it's people are interesting, but like uh, I'll take an, an example like Dark Vader. Dark mm. Vader is not people. Like you don't mm. have. Uh, Someone who is like a giant uh, master of the dark side with immense power mm. and presence. You don't see that mm. in your daily life. It's someone who you is larger than life. And that's what makes him interesting, you know. Never uh, met my mom. Well, <laughs> 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 does she have a respirator? <laughs> <laughs> my son, voila. I am your, I am your mother. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Actually, I actually, I'm not sure if I agree completely with Void, but I I am leaning more towards what Void said here, where, yeah, your characters in your book can be deep. They can be three dimensional. They can have a lot of depth, and you should treat them to some degree as people. Uh, when it comes to certain elements about the character. Uh, at the same time, you have to acknowledge that they're not real, yeah. right? They're they're fiction. They're like figments of your imagination on a page. Uh, they might be complex. They might have a lot of nuance to them, and they might have like conflicting motivations, conflicting factors, quirks, uh, and all sorts of stuff. But they're not people at the end of the day. But I What's... think that's that's very much going to depend on the viewpoint of the author and how they perceive. What's their the... interactions with people and characters. I'm kind of on the fence on this one. Um, yeah. What's the risk that you see with uh, like there being like people versus characters? Like, why would you say one or the other? Okay, are you familiar with R slash men writing women? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's it's a great it's a great like lots of terrible people like examples of really bad writing. Um, and I'm quite fond of looking at like that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a great way to waste a few minutes. So on there, oftentimes the issue is not that you have an author who's writing a, a female feminine character poorly, but yes, that is what they're doing, but that's not necessarily the issue. The issue is that oftentimes they're writing a, a female character as if they're not a person. They're objectifying yeah. the character to mm -hmm. a, a great degree. Mm -hmm. And I think the issue it, it points back to this characters versus people. So if you're writing, if you're writing a character as a list of, of tropes mm. and characteristics that are really hard coded, uh, you'll often end up in a situation where, yeah, I have a woman, uh, boobing boobily down the stairs, you know, <laughs> and it's, I love that scene. It, it's just like, okay, I, I, I see this character as this, 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 and it's these facts. And that's, that's all they are. Uh, whereas a person, if you write a character as a person, you're writing the character as a set of ideals and motivations, perhaps flaws, perhaps like memories and 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 information. But you're not necessarily writing that character as a list of traits. If you have a good character who's a good person, you can often strip away a lot of the superficial facts about them. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think if you if you have a very good uh, person character our people character you should be able to take that people character and remove a lot of their 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 traits uh, if you can take your main character from your story and change their gender throughout the entire story and the story itself doesn't change at all you might have a good 
person character because they're no longer dependent on this one trait, for example. Do you know Katie Hanna wrote an entire novel where she doesn't know the gender of the main character? It just doesn't matter? Yeah, uh, I wrote Spormageddon where the, the main character oh, yeah. doesn't have a gender. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. Yeah. Just yeah. like a fungus. Yeah, mm. yeah that, that's, that's I mean, the entire joke. Uh, oh, right, she gets yeah, asked, oh my God, The main cool. character yeah. gets asked at some point, what's in your pants? And, she's, and the character's like, mushrooms. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, Locke. Your, your five cents. Yeah, so having not read the book, I think I might be making an assumption on the definition. But yeah, I think the writing has gotten good enough in our genre where most people are writing what I would call people, not characters. You know, like people, like characters... Man, that's going to be weird saying characters that are acting as well. <laughs> yeah. It is a character, you know, in a book, but um, it's a believable person. It, yeah. you know, has those conflicting traits. It's, I, I can't see another author's heads, but I know when I write, they, like the characters just sort of do what they're going to do. Like I might put them in the scene and be like, oh, it's going to do this. And then that's not what happens, you know, because uh, I know that this person is going to react a certain way when someone else just happens to do something. Um, which I think is important, but yeah, I think the, the the writing in general and the genre as a whole, or genres as a whole, are good enough that I don't really see too many characters where they're one dimensional. I, th I think so too. Like the 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 point that um, Corbett makes in this in this case is exactly what you said, right? So, um... but oh, good. I, I rebound <laughs> on it. Uh, I think that the the conflict isn't about character based people; it's about interesting versus uninteresting like mm. you can have a character with a three-dimensional uh, very deep you know like very believable on the other side you can have someone like deadpool which uh, larger than life uh, extremely funny mm. you know uh, and in both cases they are entertaining you know and that's what uh, what matters at the end that the, the viewer finds these characters memorable or people he can relate to so doesn't matter how, how much how much three dimensional they are. It's as long as they are uh, fascinating, you know. Mm. I also, think... add that mm. it the importance of like how much effort you put into making a character depends a lot on their importance in the, the story. Yeah, like yeah, like <laughs> yeah. You don't need to flesh yeah. out everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your main character should be a person, right? Like they should have depth. But like, if they walk into a store and there's like a I don't know a baker. You don't. You don't need their whole life story. You don't need them to, to like be fleshed out or whatever. They can just. Oh, be like, you uh, don't need like five paragraphs of exposition. Yeah, exactly. They can just. Oh, like, uh, <laughs> they can be a caricature. He lost his wife. You know, uh, survived cancer <laughs> and got back to, to the back. He just, he just, well, <laughs> although that that could be a very funny story if every single character you meet, yeah, you yeah. stop the story dead, go on for a page with their entire life history, and then keep on going as if nothing happened. Uh, yeah. Wasn't there one like... I, I think I had to read one of those in school. It was good, but still. So I think the main point that Corbett makes in that, in that book of his is um, that he very much likes the idea of trauma at the center of the character. And I personally think that for our genres that might not hold true, right? I tried with Thorchbearer. So there's like this like very, very deep internal conflict and like trauma that we have to like overcome somehow um, or we watch the character overcome. But I don't see that in uh, in, in Cinema Bond, for example. Um, and uh, Heretical Fishing neither. And I was saying like having looked at, I mean, 
Vainker, not so much with the uh, with the main character and the, and the trauma. Well, maybe a little bit. I mean, not everyone in. Uh, you don't need trauma. Trauma is something that you can add to a character. But uh, I mean, go in your uh, life. I, I'm sure that like, if you ask the people around you, I, I'm sure that not everyone has like uh, you know a dead parent or something in their uh, in their backstory. You know, like trauma is something you know that serves a purpose in terms of creating a character, but it's not something that's necessary, you know, you don't need to be, to, to, you don't need to, to have the character, you know, to have suffered in the past, to be interesting. Or I, th- I, think, I think I need, I need to like define trauma here. Trauma isn't, isn't like in, in the like grand, like psychological sense, but more of like uh, something that happened or some sort of inner demon that your main character has to face. And I personally think that many lit RPG and progression fantasy books work super well without that. But that being said, I know at least at least for the the perfect run, like uh, losing Len, for example, and then trying to find her again is like the main driver of the entire story up to a certain point. So I I think it again depends on kind of slice of life, but I don't really want to put that in that same basket. It, it depends Slice on the story life can be very, very trauma heavy. Close mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. trauma. Yeah. Okay. How so? Yeah, I feel it might be mm-hmm. best to speak of flows. Like, uh, any, you can't have you can have a flow without a trauma. Like, uh, like for some character, you know, they have to deal with anger issues or their ambition mm-hmm. or their hunger for power, and it doesn't necessarily have to 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 come from uh, a trauma or anything. Sometimes it's just mm-hmm. uh, the result of. Uh, yeah. the backstory or all the world. exactly i think like but, if if a, yeah. if, a, if a certain thing happened in a character's backstory that made them care for power more than anything else in the world i would love to learn that fact because i mean at least at least in the earlier lit rpgs mm. right it's just like oh cool i can kill people that's nice and just go out and does it like uh, like what raven's dagger said before <laughs> and uh i mean at least a dreaming that's illegal uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's, it's society heavily frowns upon it. So I think that this whole, this whole discussion basically boils down to having good character motivation in the sense of explain to me why the main character does all of these things. Right. So Raven's like, even by book five, we, that's, that's a spoiler. Next five seconds. Spoiler. For, for everyone who's listening, we still don't know what happened. To, what happened to Cat to make her like lose that eye and like the arm? So uh, there you go. Right? It's not important to her character. Exactly. It's not important to what she's doing now. It's not important to her current motivations. Exactly right. So, so. Th- th- I'm not saying that this is like a, a, a criticism. I'm saying yeah, no, the no, story works. Whereas someone else might have like focused on that, like her overcoming that in some way, but she did in the first book. So. But you don't necessarily need those information to understand the character either. Like, uh, I'll give an example. Uh, are you familiar yeah. with Death Note? Yeah. I don't know the, the manga. Like, the, the main character is someone, that, is someone that, you know, gains the god complex. But uh, because he starts, you know, as someone who is like an elite student, uh, someone who is, uh, you know, told by everyone around him that he's like uh, an student, intelligent, etc., and you can understand how the character will develop that kind of mindset, like where he's better than everyone, where he has been chosen, etc. Without really having anything traumatizing in his uh, story, just the, the result of you know being someone being treated like 
like they're special and gaining a, an inflated sense of self-worth. Like you don't really need to, to, to know uh, specific events that made him think like that, but you naturally understand that, okay, this is uh, the logical conclusion of his life uh, until then. But Just I think done. we can move on to the next uh, yeah. item. Yeah. To the important questions. Yeah. Important questions. How cute. I, how cute, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. All uh, right. I was um, actually telling people about your uh, One Piece tattoo, Haylock. Oh, wait. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> I actually why, why, asked why? if you're a One Piece fan because I saw your profile picture and I was like, oh, wait a second. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am. Yeah, yeah, I was like, uh, hey, I'll that, get it out. that looks like a... What, I'll get it out of the way. Hushi. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. It's so well my, done. Uh, my too. apprentice friend did it. Oh, it's not well done. Oh, no, it is. Sorry, Skylight. It's really well done. <laughs> my apprentice friend did it years ago. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I love One Piece. It's so good. Oh, me too. Yeah, Oda. Yeah. Like, uh, Cinnabon's absolutely. entire plot line is basically just me ripping off One Piece. Which yep. one? Amazing. Cinnamon. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen is better. <laughs> uh, I just like really like the idea of friendship solves everything. Uh, I think yeah. it's just like, a nice nice thing. It's just nice. Uh, it's just a great world building, too. Very, like, just mm-hmm. good. Did you read the manga? Are you up to I, date? Yeah, I, I haven't seen the anime. I've only read the manga. Oh, but I'm, I'm not up to date. I stopped at the start of uh, Wano. Oh, dude, which is yeah. like you're such a crazy yeah, rider. I haven't I haven't caught up in like three or four years now. So, I still, I, still I do that too. I go off I go off uh, months at a time, and my friends are like, "How are you not reading it?" I'm like, oh, "I'm just busy. I, I yeah. can't I can't I can't keep up with mangas. I have a hard time with that. With mm-hmm. books, web serials, I don't have an issue, mm-hmm. uh, or not as much of an issue. I still like to wait like a month so I can binge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But with manga, I go through a chapter so quickly that it it just doesn't feel good to read one chapter a week oh, yeah yeah yeah, like in, yeah. That's in some cases you need a, a larger uh, backlog before you can check that plus one i think, piece, I think three years, years will just be enough the whole thing <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, also yeah. now please raven stagger please tell us how cute how cute i okay i'm gonna be real honest here this is legitimately and literally a question that i have wrestled with for years like I have taken hour-long walks, no audiobooks or anything, just wondering how cute, how. And then, <laughs> I still haven't figured out like a concise, objective answer to this question, but I've been looking for it for a very long time. I, uh, I, I, I feel as though like whenever your your books are being discussed in, in universities later on, they're going to be like. <laughs> but mostly, cute. the author really strove to answer the question: How cute? How cute? <laughs> Yeah, no, okay, so, God, okay, look, there's there's a lot of actual depth here, which is really stupid, because it, it feels like something that should be, like, very, like, obviously, it's just this, but mm-hmm. no, it isn't, because, like, each person, like, each human reader will have some things that they'll, they'll see, and they'll be like, that cute, <laughs> but other people will look at the same thing and say, no, that's not cute, that's cute. And and there's some things that most people will agree with and be like, oh, yes, that, that is cute. That is how cute. But not everything is that way. So there are, there are some shortcuts you can take and be like, okay, well, this thing is generally pretty much accepted to be cute. Like, mm-hmm. cute girls. That's generally it's in the name. Girls, yes. cute, good. Uh, puppies. Kittens, uh, cute. You know, yeah, Kitten, no, yes, pretty. Puppies, no. <laughs> you know, there we go. That's, yeah. 
everybody pretty <laughs> much agree. agrees, but then some people won't. And it's like, all right. So like, it's, it's very subjective and it's, I, I think you can, you can approach it the same way you'd approach something like what is beauty or, or like something like that, where, yeah, it's, it's going to be to in the eye of the beholder at the same time, there is definitely a feeling you feel yes. when you see something, you're like, oh, that's, that's cute. There's, it's, there's an emotion attached to that. And if you're, if you're a decent writer and if you manipulate things correctly in your story, you can definitely make the reader feel that way. Cuteness. And, yeah, mm -hmm. cuteness. And it's like, oh, that, that is definitely a thing. But unlike... I guess there's other feelings you can make a, a, a reader feel, right? Like you want to connect with your reader on an emotional level. So like you want them to be afraid. There is a way to make a person feel horrified. There's a way to make a person feel hyped. Like, oh, there's action that's coming up and it's like, it's building up. And you can like outline that very simply because it's been done so, so often. And so it's, it's been studied, I guess. And there's so many books that do it. It's very easy to just sit down, relax, and not have to think about it and say, I'm going to write this scene. It's going to be pretty hype. And you don't have to like study it too much. Whereas, like strangely enough, cute seems like, yeah, there's a few ways like to shorthand it. Mm. But there's definitely more to it that hasn't been kind of explored as much. And I think you can make people feel that cuteness emotion with almost like any character or any situation if you just have to put like enough emphasis on the right things in the right order in order to make people feel that way and like you can make a dirty old man be cute yeah it's going to be much harder than like a young innocent child or girl or like you know whatever but you can still do it yeah but it's so going to require a fair bit more effort the the one thing for cuteness, like it's an evolutionary trait, right? Mm -hmm. Cuteness is evolutionary defense. So one thing that always does it is big eyes. Yeah. Right. And like it, it's it's just how we're how we're trained, but on a how bit of a deeper eyes? level. What? Hmm? How do you write big eyes? She uh, had W R I B I G E Y E yes a spelling B contest and right there um, <laughs> no the yeah you have to you have to like evoke certain feelings by writing it in a certain way where right? you can't like this guy is cute and then like people are like oh sure he's cute unless of course you're writing uh, Haylock anyway um, <laughs> no. So the, the thing with cuteness is it's an evolutionary trait and we have been kind of, you know, it's in our, in our genes to kind of find th certain things cute. And one thing that's always, always there is cuteness feels cute if the subject in question is innocent and or harmless. You cannot have something that's threatening and cute because it gives a very different feeling. I mean... Maxime, you know this, right? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, I mean, why don't you talk about it? Because uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Well, 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 it's a new ad. If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. 
If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. Uh, I mean, I've come to accept that, you know, like cuteness or that is very subjective depending on the person. Like you can try to lean one way or another, but like in, so for some people, no matter what you do, it will fall flat because they don't relate with uh, like the people that dislike Shibi or like it. It's, it's really subjective. So I think that the moments that are cute are those that are heartfelt. First of all, like, you know, where the people express vulnerabilities or, or darkness, like, you know, like some people, you know, they just, you know, they, they seem very cute. Like, you know, when they uh, stop caring about, uh, you know, appearing ever idiotic or uh, vulnerable, you know, I, I think that's really linked to that. But on the other hand, it's not something I really think about when I write because it's so subjective, you know. That even if you do your best, you, it's not going to resonate with some people. Mm. And, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. And not everybody wants that feeling. And it's yeah, it's not it's not like excitement or or like the fear that you would read from a horror story, where it's like something necessary. Like you go into that genre looking for it. Like cuteness itself isn't the genre the way that action, adventure, and like other genres are. Right, Can, like it kind of is, but it really not quite is at the same time. It's kind of weird. It's it's one of those weird ones. It's certainly I'm, weird in our mm-hmm. in our sort of sphere. It's definitely a a new sort of development in our sphere. Like if you go to like um, cozy, there's like a lot of cozy fantasy, cozy fantasy, like co- the cottage core yeah. sort of yeah, cozy. yeah. That's True. like you know that's been going on for decades at this point. That's like been going for, for decades, but it feels like there's like been a big push to it lately. Oh yeah, no, yeah. like way bigger now, which is mm-hmm. really cool, um, and it's sort of bleeding over into the lit RPG progression fantasy yeah. space, which yeah. is very neat. I, I, this is for, sound... yeah, it's very neat for you, Haylock. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for us. Uh, uh, there's a push for coziness, like you know, something more domestic mm. or the like. But like the, the push for cute is just a prolongement of that. Like there's a lot more stories that focus on, uh, I would say, the, the daily lives of people compared to before. Like, mm-hmm. you know, their, uh, just their domesticity. And it just, uh, the, the, the impact of cuteness or that, it's just a prolongement of that, you know. It's literally the core of the, the, the passion. I, I read something recently, which, it, it, that one, it, it hit me. Um, uh, it's rewritten Beyond Journey's End. Yes. Uh, uh, fantastic. Well, not... Yeah, I watched, mm. I started watching it, and then I, I started reading the manga because I wanted to get ahead. Um, <sighs> It's sorry, like I did genuine, a... genuinely sorry. good without without spoiling it. But like it, the basic premise: uh, character dies and the other character is left alive, and she's very long lived. And she realized that she hasn't really spent as much time with the people she cares about as she might have, she she might have wanted to. And it's her journey of discovering this kind of vulnerability. It's 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 a nice story. It's it's very emotional. It's very cute. At fairly deep into the story the main character encounters this uh, dwarven man. And uh, he's a person who guards this village. And he guards this village because that was his wife's village. And she passed away. And he guards it in her memory. And I, I was reading this scene. I was like, I was struck by how incredibly, I guess, cute and heartwarming 
this dwarven character was. And there's no physically cute things about this character. Like, I suppose he is small, which helps, but like he's like a big bearded old man. Like this is not our definition of like a big eyed, attractive, whatever. Right. But the character was at once a very strong, capable person, but also very vulnerable because of the position they were in. They were defending something in the memory of someone who passed away so long ago that they're starting to forget details of that person. Mm. But they love them so much that the love continues despite them no longer remembering necessarily why they love that person. And it was like, oh, okay. So there's like a lot of conflicting, very painful kind of traumatic emotions, but they're being treated respectfully and also being dealt with in a very kind of wholesome, peaceful way. And it was like, oh, that was cute. That was <laughs> very cute. cute. <laughs> that was very cute. It was horrific. It's kind of sad, mm. but it's also cute. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's not an approach I would have ever thought of taking myself. I'm definitely yeah, going to steal it now because I was just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've we've seen we've seen horrible cute, but yes. sad cute is hard. Sad I, cute is hard to pull off. Mm, well, I at think... the same time, no, because like oftentimes cute characters will be introduced as sad and vulnerable, right? That's yeah. I was about to say like cuteness is, I think, centered in the domain of two character traits and that is vulnerability that you just said and also innocence if you combine the two i think you get cute and innocence doesn't have to be like oh this character has never killed someone um it has to be this kind of powerless kind of hope against hope thing i I think my definition of innocence might uh, like vary a little bit where i Mm -hmm. i define it more as and more of a na- naivete of like yeah, yeah, yeah. unawareness of their Good own, point. of the consequences of what's going to happen to them. Where we as adults are not innocent because we know most of the actions we're going to take are going to have consequences and we know what those consequences will be. So I know that if like I go running in traffic, I'm probably going to get hurt. So <laughs> easy kite. Mm. Yeah, I'll get you some kind of yeah. let's, let's let's go. Um, uh, also, uh, nothing I do will ever have consequences. What you're talking about, uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to kind of kind of like uh, like get to get to Haylock before we before we move on to the next question. Mm. Um, your five cents for this, Haylock. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be rich at the end because I'm going to get so many five cents from you. <laughs> yeah, I think I I may be like this could be hubris, but I may be like one of the few people that can relate to your struggle with how cute as weird as that sounds it's definitely a central theme for the story i'm writing um and like the first the first like auxiliary character that is really really matters to the main character is like a crab like it's you know you can see the like to some I i think little crabs are cute personally most people see crabs and they're like you know disgusting um, and it's like this one-eyed crab, oh, like so. I can't, I can't describe like the uwu big eyes to make her cute. Like she's only got this one stalk eye. Um, but like a recurring comment and like in reviews and stuff is people saying like, why is this crab cute? Like, wh- why do I care about this crab? And I think it, um, like going back to the dwarf and thing as well, like the the dwarf guarding the grave or whatever it was. Um, it, I think it evokes 
like something in the reader that they want to protect, like having that vulnerability, having something that it like evokes a want, like the reader wants them the best for them. They want to help. They obviously can't help because they're not in the story, but it makes them want to. And yeah, like exploring different angles of that, I, I find fun, like to make characters that are otherwise grotesque and sort of really dislikable. There's a few different ones. Um, I won't go into them because that's a whole thing. Um, but they're like, I, I go out of my way to describe them as horrible people. Like they're doing these terrible things. And then you can sort of show them have this really intimate, caring relationship with someone where that grotesque side of them is gone. And all of a sudden, the reader has this perspective and it really um, makes them feel empathy for a character they would otherwise hate. Um, it's sort of, yeah, it's a, so the how cute thing is a, I'm kind of worried you've introduced that worry into my life, to be honest. I'm, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm you, sorry. You might catch me on our long walks just <laughs> staring how? at the trees. <laughs> yeah. How? I mean, like this, this, what you said, like goes back into like characters for the people, right? So if you have a villain and that villain has like a life, like no person is an asshole everywhere. Like everyone has like at least one sort of redeemable quality, I hope. Right, because I'm so sure, but yeah, I mean, like there, there's, there's got to be some person somewhere that likes them. I feel like because, like, like obviously, like there's like really hardcore edge cases that like no one likes, but I do feel that characters, especially villains, do become better if they have if they have a nice side. It makes the villain side hit so much harder. Mm, definitely, yeah, definitely depends on the story you're writing, but. I I agree, but those the characters I like to write, so of course I'm going to agree. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I do see the you know the Darth Vader kind of character to throw back mm -hmm. to what Maxine was saying. You know, those just evil for the sake of evil. And well, like... Darth Vader has big eye things on his mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> cute. True. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> what All right. Mm. Okay. Having answered the question, how cute? <laughs> Ish. The answer was yes. The answer was yes. <laughs> Uh, this has been a question from uh, one of my watchers, actually. Oh. Um, I asked in a Discord channel, and they were the only person who responded in, uh, within the half hour that they had. So here we go. Um, uh, this is a huge one, yeah. That's a go tough ahead. one. So it occurred to me that we never actually read out the question here. So I'm going to read it out for you, because if you're only only, you won't know what's happening until, like, I think in, like, five minutes. So the question was, difference between Asian light novels and Western light novels. All right, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, I would say the, the difference between these two is uh, very much uh, influenced by the different markets. Like in Asia, you're not paid well as an author. You, you're paid like shit uh, in, for most of them, like, you know, and uh, you're paid by quantity. Like, you know, you don't, you have very few... Um, Systems like you know Patreon or uh, or Amazon, where you know you can put your book, stay the owner of the book, and get royalties of it. Uh, like I've been approached by a lot of like Chinese or uh, organization, and each time they, they offer contract which are uh, prohibitive. Like you know you, you don't own the book, uh, you you're paid like uh, very little on that, and the result is that. Asian uh, light novel or at least like you know online novels uh, that encourage them you know to keep pumping uh, 
story for a very, very, very long time. Like the, the Asian novels are much longer than Western ones, with a few exceptions. Like, I mean, for uh, One Wandering In, uh, most Western novels are less intensive. Like, no, they don't write as much. And uh, I think that uh, as a result, you know, it's uh, easier for the main difference that as a result of that formatting format, uh, Asian uh, readers and writers favor like very long stories where you just have the characters that goes on again and again. They can't really stop uh, with us uh, because they, otherwise, you know, they stop getting paid or it's not in their contract. And then to require stories to go on for a very, very long time uh, until the, 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 the foreseeable future. Uh, whereas in terms of Western novels, you have a lot more freedom as author has a lot more freedom to do stuff their own way because they have more negotiation power. You know, they can decide to stop and uh, they can get revenues more, more easy. So I guess the feeling that, you know, the, the Asian market favors really long stories that focus on one character, you know, the, 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 the power fantasy style. Uh, will, on average, Western have a lot more variety in terms of genre and... Uh, Type of mm. development, yes. Mm. They're actually I, both sides, but those are the main difference, I feel. I have an opinion on this that it might be somewhat controversial. Right, let me but, let me get the gift ready. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I do have a reasoning behind the controversial opinion. Oh, damn it. And uh, I think that going forwards, we're going to see the two... Uh, like like specifically it says ln so like novels i think we're going to see the two start to homogenize a lot more and mm. my reasoning is that most of the time when an author is writing something they're taking inspiration from what they know like original ideas are very uncommon most of the time an original idea is just taking two things that are disparate and combining them together in a new way that has been done before but most of the time you can only write what you are aware of and what you're aware of in fiction is the fiction that you read previously so the the stuff that you were that you were shown and and, and read and, and tv shows as you watch as a kid or books that you read and i think with western culture influencing asia more and asian culture influencing western culture more like you can watch anime and manga now much more easy that they're more common now than they used to be and i'm certain that like hollywood movies are more common in asia now than they, they ever were before so i think going forward asian and western spheres of authorship are going to start taking inspiration more and more often from the same basic like set of like really common popular stories and because if you're taking inspiration from the same thing, from the same basis, you're more likely to develop stories that are very similar to each other. So I think moving forward, the things that were extremely popular and influenced us, like even in lit RPG, if you trace back like the origins of lit RPG, oftentimes you'll you end up at like Sword Art Online in twenty thirteen, I think. The first yeah, the Russian lit RPG sphere as well, but they were also inspired by like like. So there's like a, a, a the tree of inspiration goes down to like basically the same roots, mm. and everything that kind of spread out from that is those influences 
being combined with what we feel is like common to us. So different types of storytelling elements and tropes. And so if you look at like Asian lit RPG versus uh, like Western lit RPG we have here, they still share a common, like a few common ancestors. And so they still have like a lot of common tropes. They, they were taken to different directions uh, because of like different desperate further inspirations. But as some stories become more popular and more commonly read and people are inspired by those stories, I think, I think the genre is going to kind of not coalesce, but become a little bit more homogenized moving forward. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I could, I could be completely wrong, but I have that suspicion. I'll add something about that, that's going to be the rise of translations like uh, platforms like Tapas, for example, have uh, shifted from trying to push their own properties to just translating Korean web novels and content to the American uh, American market, you know, uh, because there is um, it's cheaper first of all to for that, and they have like the larger number of uh, those novels in the, in Asia. So for a lot of large platforms, they figure okay, we try something in. Uh, and this market, we just translate it since it will be cheaper, and we we shift it to the, the American market. And uh, yeah, I agree with Raven that it's going to have uh, a lot of influence because like people copy each other, you know. Like uh, if something is successful, like uh, when uh, Iwo Fights Monster and Primalator uh, went out, you had like uh, a high number of imitators, you know, trying to copy them. Uh, that's that's nature of like you know. It, even LTRPG, you know, is overly saturated for now. Like it's still profitable, but the competition there is a lot is a lot tougher than uh, than a few years ago because well, it's it's successful, so people copy it, and uh, it's like uh, isekai as well. Like for now, you have like so many anime isekai that uh, I'm losing interest in the genre because they all start <laughs> blurring together. Yeah, but that's just yeah. really like you pick one; it's always uh, the whole like just copies with slight change. And the result is that you, the genre, in general, it still sells, but it's losing steam to uh, other ones. Because like it, it's like, you know, superhero movies or Western, when there's too much of a good thing, people want novelties and they move on to, uh, it still makes money, but they move on to other genres. So I, I, I do think like if you're, if you're just considering lit RPG, or progression fantasy as a very very big genre um there's still I, I think that's what you're saying too i'm not saying it as a degree necessarily there's a lot of room to explore there still so for example like we haven't seen a lot of sci-fi lit rpg yet like a handful like cyberpunk yeah like that's 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 going but um yeah, right so i i've not seen something that's I mean, there, it exists. I know it exists. I haven't read anything that's like, for example, uh, Sanderson's Sky, Skyward uh, as lit RPG, which would be insane as a lit RPG because it would make so much sense, right? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I haven't seen it yet. But I do think there's still like a possibility, like lots of possibilities there. Yeah, but that being said, I agree with Maxime. Like, only those, those that stand out or uh, that read differ or you know mm. create a really creative uh, spin on the formula will stand out from mm. uh, from the rest basically 
and then just, then like they become important and famous and everyone yeah. copies them. Like and that's how it works. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The cycle, really cycle continues. Yeah. We, we yeah. all want yeah, to be exactly. the one who did the thing that everybody copies. The yeah, cycle yeah. continues. Yep. Uh -huh. um, hey, Locke, what do you think about copying stuff? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this is a very, very loaded question for no reason. Sorry, do what do oh, you yeah, think it's... about plagiarization? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a um, whether or not it's conscious or not. A lot of the times, I think people consciously are like, Oh, I love that, I want to write that. Um, sometimes it's just you know, it just happens like you, whether or not you know it, you're influenced by something, and when you write something, that sort of comes out in the writing. The, the big difference for me, um, when I was reading. I went down like a manhua rabbit hole maybe like 10 years ago. And I think the biggest thing to me, um, which I guess is just a cultural difference, was the sociopathic protagonists, <laughs> which, um, yeah, Raven, you, I mentioned earlier, like when you were designing Broccoli, um, yeah. you just sort of looked at what was happening in LitRPG and you were like, I want to do the opposite of that. And I think that all of those main characters were a result of that sort of just what we'd seen already they're like okay we know this works like we we don't want these main characters to be thinking and worrying and having mental health issues like let's just make them be like yeah sick i'm gonna go get experience and just kill everything so i think that sort of trickled down from the asian light novels in my opinion could be wrong um but i think over time we've sort of seen more expansion once people see that books can succeed while having characters that are more dimensional than just being murder hobos, people are like, okay, well, I can emulate something else or, and it's sort of, um, it's sort of that homogenization happening in real time, or at least, you know, an aspect, maybe, maybe it doesn't come to a point where every continent is writing the exact same thing, but there's definitely more of the other springing up, which is I, cool. I like it. I think that if you're looking at it on a global scale, how to, how to put this. So different cultures have different needs. That doesn't mean that everyone in that culture has the same need. That means that sometimes some people, for example, in America might have the same, you know, tastes or, or, or like reading needs as someone in Asia, right? So maybe sometimes it is all about, you know, being a powerful murder hobo power fantasy thing, right? So maybe that's, that's a small subgroup of people really like that. I mean, we can say what we can say whatever we want. Like the lit RPG and progression fantasy bubble is small, like very, very small compared to like I don't know romance or even fantasy or sci-fi, right? It's a subgenre of a subgenre of a subgenre. So these needs in different like societies can still exist. And yes, I think as long as you find people on other continents or in other societies or cultures, you will be able to sell them there. Uh, that being said, I do think that sometimes I, for example, don't read manga. I don't watch anime. It's not because I don't. I think they're not good. They succeed at what they want to do perfectly. There are many, many great anime and terrific mangas. I mean, I grew up on Dragon Ball Z, right? So I did watch manga and anime as, as a kid. That being said, I don't do I don't do that today because they just they just don't appeal to me. Yeah, that's um, fair. Right. So yeah, I, a lot. Right. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm very sorry about that. No. <laughs> so what I'm saying is basically this taste will always waver between cultures. And I do think that cultures as systems will have different needs or breed different needs in people. And um, it's, it's never going to be like all the same. It's never going to like completely overlap. And maybe I think that the 
not overlapping parts are bigger than you, maybe Raven. But we will see. Like this is all future, future crystal ball yeah, stuff. It's... All right, it's exciting, regardless. Yes, very much so. Yeah, it really is. So, favorite character motivations? Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, obviously. Obviously, it's the best one. Uh, actually, I would be very much interested in that and hearing from you, uh, Raven. Um, or uh, actually, spite? like, hey, Locke, how about you start first? Because you're always the last person in this round so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my favorite character motivations, I think, just of what I keep writing, um, is just a want for freedom. Whether, you know, I think there's a lot of different things that can be oppressive, whether it's like a physical power, whether it's something you've locked yourself into, you know, a mistake you made and then followed for too long. I really like exploring the the shift of like breaking out of that and the direction that someone takes. I mean, I wrote a book about someone that just goes fishing. So obviously there was something going on. <laughs> he was like, nope, I'm good. Yeah, those those are like the, to me, those are fun. Those are fun motivations, just a, a yearning for change. It's actually a genuinely okay. interesting motivation. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but yeah, I, I guess it is a motivating reason to do something. I'm, I'm not the, directly the opposite. I mean, if you're looking at um, at the four basic, four or five basic psychological needs for humans, there's there's always a bit of a of a struggle, right? So there's freedom and being able to do what you want to do and being unobstructed in doing so, and then there's belonging. So for me, my my favorite motivation is always belonging. Mm. The pyramid of Maslow, you know, you have uh, different more urgent needs and the. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and like, yeah, I, I don't like also all them all that much. Um, I'm more looking at like cognitive behavioral therapy, but um, also pyramid of needs is definitely also like a good, good motivation. But yeah, how about you two? What what's your favorite? Maslow's. Sorry, I was looking for Maslow's. Name. Yeah, not Oslo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, there's, <laughs> just, there's a name to that thing. Uh, yeah. Favorite motivations? I don't think I have motivations that are as psychologically deep as you guys, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like, like more genuinely, points. genuinely, like freedom is like such a, like an open concept. It's it's a cool motivation mm. for a character, but like most of the time, my character's motivations are like I want that thing, or I want to be able to do this. I th uh, I think they're more concrete motivations as opposed to thematic ones, I guess. I think you're kind of, I'm not saying like you're selling yourself short, but um, I also think that community is very important for you. I mean, yes. for Cat, for sure. Yeah. And for Broccoli also. For Broccoli, about, maybe yeah. it's more like freedom, freedom or sense of, sense of adventure, that kind of stuff. But. Yeah, Broccoli is very much like very strongly motivated at the start of the story. She's like, I don't want to be alone. She wants friends. Yeah. So that's what she wants. She wants like a, a community that around her people that she can be friendly with and, and so on so a lot of her skills and everything revolve around that motivation uh which is also that was fun to write as well uh because it's a, not an approach you see a lot with rpgs most of the rpg the skills and so on will be like how good can i put make people dead uh mm -hmm. it's very rare how good can i be <laughs> but, at making friends yeah, yeah there's a prolongement of the of a deeper need like you know you, you kill people to feel powerful or uh more important you know. yeah that that is true that's true uh, oftentimes specifically in our genre the system and so on will reward the character's motivation right so yes i think that's that's kind of a big factor as well 
Uh, I but, think like, oftentimes, mm-hmm. I think thematically, my characters tend to share that that want for community and companionship yeah. as like their main motivating factor. Uh, evil antagonist, it's mm. like the character wants love. Yeah. Uh, Broccoli and, and Cinnamon mm-hmm. One wants friendship. Cat wants uh, her her family unit to be safe and comfortable and like you know nice. So yeah, you have. <laughs> I, I think if. It doesn't, not across every story. I think in Fluff, the main character just wants to be left alone. It's like the exact <laughs> opposite. Uh, dead Tired, the main character is a avid sociopath. So, like, he doesn't. He, just he wants, wants to nap. nap. He just wants a nap. Yeah, Lovecraft, the main character wants to eat stuff. So, like, that. Wait, not wait, wait. Complex motivation. I will make this as a, I will say this joke. But if you are going to continue to list off all the novels that you have written. We're You're going to be, be here tomorrow, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. But like for for the most part across most series, I do think like the the, the most commonly used motivation I have for my characters is really a, a want for companionship and community. Hmm. If we're, if we're going to go through like like a higher, more thematic view of things, then yes, that would be the, the main motivation for, for a lot of my characters. I don't know what that is. Is it your favorite? Me. Is it my favorite? <laughs> you know, it probably isn't. It's, it's very easy to write. I find it fun to write, and I find it like an entertaining motivation to to like. I wouldn't I wouldn't use it so often if it wasn't a motivation that I I cared to use, right? Mm. But is it my favorite? I don't think so. I think I was actually genuinely honest when I said that my favorite motivation to use is like revenge. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> it's just it, it's it's stupid. It it, it feel I, I don't like. I don't like writing it because there's like a lot of baggage that comes with it that are, are not stuff that I care for. But at the same time, it really is a fun motivation, right? Like mm. someone who slighted me, I want to kill them is, <laughs> is very easy to understand and, I, and fun to read about. So, okay. Like if I'm, if I'm putting my coaching hat on, right. And I'm going into like deeper to psychotherapy, um, someone slighted me. And so they have to die. It's a reaction because of another need, Right. So yes, the what's of the need to be respected, for example? Yeah, yeah, or or to be safe. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The mysterious that? beep again. The no, sorry, it's so, uh, huh? just uh, just something different. But I, I mean, oh, okay. I have heard of psychologists that says that anger is a reaction to having your boundaries being violated yes. by another. That's a defense, de- primarily defensive reaction. So yeah. I feel like you know that. Even you have someone that kills uh, at the drop of a hat, it can be just a plungement of like uh, a need to feel powerful or to feel safe. Yeah. That can be. Uh, yeah. Or even to feel loved. Backstory. Yeah. Like you, you can. Love. It's. I mean, one of my one of my friends. Um, she's a she's a psychotherapist and a author of well, true crime, uh, not novels, but like books. And uh, she is the foremost leading expert on psychopaths here in here in Germany. And she says that there are two reasons why people kill, and they're different for men and women. So men kill if they're because they don't want to lose someone. Hmm. Women kill to make sure they lose someone. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's it's really really interesting. I mean, not always, right? So. Voidy, what's your favorite um, motivation besides I don't want to die? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I don't really have a favorite motivation because 
Uh, I feel any motivation is valid as long as it's fascinating. However, mm. if I had to mm -hmm. say the character with the most interesting motivation that I have written on, I feel it would be like Walter Ty in Never Die Twice. For those who don't mm -hmm. know, it's a necromancer that wants to end death for mm -hmm. all human beings. Like, you know, he mm -hmm. wants to, to, to create a cure for mortality, basically, because mm -hmm. uh, it's a plongement of his own uh, deep seafed uh, fear of death. But the, the goal in itself is altruistic, like he wants to make it available for everyone. And uh, I feel it was the most interesting motivation I came up for a character because it's very gray. Like, you know, uh, as a talk of experiment, you know, it's something that we can all read too. I don't think that anybody here wants to die. Even when you, people that, you know, that want to commit suicide or anything, you know, death is an escape rather than an end, you know, like they, they suffer, mm. etc. And they, they use death as an escape rather than an end itself. Uh, otherwise, uh, most people are afraid, you know, to die or anything. So that led to some interesting question, like, is death something that we need or is that something that, you know, is it a disease that should be cured, you know, or is it like some inescapable part of the human spirit? And yeah, I think that the, the most interesting character motivation those those that lead themselves ever to interpretation or that, you know, um, to contestation. Like, for example, in Death Note as well, you have the main character who wants to create a, a utopia by eradicating crime, by basically killing criminals or dictators. And that becomes, uh, that led, you know, to a very, very interesting debate on the concept of justice. Like, okay, mm. is it... Uh, is what is is he what is he doing right because he's killing people you know he's killing murderers and people who are outside the law but on the other hand he's taking the he's becoming the jury uh jury, judge and executioner judge for execution. the, the entire human race like mm. is this really oh it should be like should you let like someone decide uh, the, what is good and evil that, that's it it also throws up the question. Uh, I mean, reminds of, of that of that like comic that has Batman in it. It's, it's a comedy about it, and he says, "If you kill someone, the amount of murderers in the world stays the same." And yeah, that guy says, "Just kill two people, right?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quick math. <laughs> Good math. Uh, no, yeah, but or, I, you know, yeah, hmm? yeah. Or there's a quote in Death Note: "Is that once you have killed all the murderers, you will still be there?" You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very good. Uh, yeah. Damn, uh, there's no way out of this. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's that's what makes it interesting as as far as motivation goes. It's uh, something you know that can be ambiguous or that leads to questions and discussions. Like, uh, or I mean, like you know, you have Saitama or in One Punch Man, his basic motivation is to to be happy and to have a fight, etc. And you have a character that asks him, but why don't you just, you know, play video games or uh, <laughs> you want a challenge or something like, you know, uh, why does it have to be uh, punching people? You know? uh, and that's yeah. really interesting because that makes you realize that maybe it's not, it's not really the, the, the need, you know, to, to have validation in his life, but like he really actually likes to fight just for the sake yeah. of fighting and, and create interesting discussions. And like whenever whenever you, whenever we we speak, Maxime, I always like 
get into this, like really deep like like philosophical and psychological ideas that I want to talk about. <laughs> it's, it's it's really good. It's really I really enjoy it a lot. It's Makes just fun to talk to. Yeah, uh, just hope yeah. I don't come across as pedantic as well. Like. No, 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 just French, <laughs> just French. <laughs> Far worse. Uh, no, um, so remind me of that of that one that one thing that I I think I quoted a lot like in the early early um, podcast. And it's very important to writers too, because so many people I see, especially the younger writers, are like, "Hey, how do I get many, many followers on Royal Road? How do I earn money out of this? How do I do this and this and this?" And I'm, I, th I feel as though some people are coming out of college and they're like, "Shit, I don't know what to do, what the fuck to do with my life," and that's normal. And they want to earn money by writing, and that's great. Um, that's, they yeah, but totally like, do this. But, even I, but yeah, I was getting, like, yeah, I was getting they're to trying this. to feel void. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you already have an income, a stable income. Do not quit until writing is losing you money. I don't know who said this. Like someone very, very smart. And there's this this simile where it's an old man. He's you know, sitting on the beach and he's reading a book. And this uh, this businessman comes up and asks, like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing?" And the guy's like, "I'm reading a book, I'm sitting here." I'm like, but it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. And he's like, "Yeah, I caught, I caught all my fish. I'm good." And it's like, but if you go out now, you can catch even more fish. You can sell them, and then. You can, you know, uh, buy a bigger boat and then you can buy two boats and you can hire people and you can have like a kind of fishing empire. And he's like, wow, cool. And then what will you do when you did all this? And the, and the businessman says like, well, if I'm done with all that, I'll just sit on the beach and read. And the guy says, yeah, right? Because that's what you're doing right now. So you can, you can kind of write just for fun. Um, I think it's important to mention always. Um, right. Last question. How much do you let your characters alter the plot? To which what I plot? would say, what plot? <laughs> yeah, what plot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if the character is the plot, that's the question. Yeah. yeah. I oh, uh, metaphysical. Maximo, remember this, but we spent uh, 10 days or so at this writer resort thing. It's a, just an excuse to spend time with some writer friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Illuminati meeting. Uh, <laughs> the so, Illuminati meeting, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, we, yeah. Remember that when we, when yeah, we talked about remember, it? On, on remember Discord? when we plotted that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I no, wasn't there, so <laughs> we were we were seven writers there, and something that like really like hit me was that uh, a couple of days we we just we just spent like the day writing basically, right? And of the seven of us, not there was no two that wrote the same way. Like Maxim is like a machine. Like he sat there and he just like chuck, 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 chuck. And I was like, oh crap, that's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> and and others would be like, you know, twisting and turning in their chairs and getting up and sitting down, getting up and sitting down, and then like typing like mad for a couple minutes, and then getting up and sitting down, like very easily distracted. Uh, one guy did the dishes, which was nice, um, <laughs> and that was his, his method of writing, you know. And it was it was interesting to me to bring back to the the, the point here that kind of hit me because it was like oh there's no exact correct way to write mechanically like the way you sit down and write is going to be very different for for each person and also it reflects a lot in the ways like the, the stories that people tell and i think yes there are a lot of like plot driven writers there's a lot of pantsers but i think there's also people that write characters to fit the plot we've, we mentioned as much earlier and just people that write characters and then just let the characters do their own thing and i think depending on where you fall in that spectrum that sliding scale your 
characters are going to alter your plot, either you'll have to change the plot to like, or you have to change a character to make them rigidly fit the plot that you've written, or you're just going to kind of like let the character do whatever they want. And then the plot's going to change based on that. Mm. Uh, so, in... no, uh, no, sorry, go on. go on. No, 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 go on, go on, go on, go on. Okay. Uh, I don't know if any of you have uh, read the her manuscript for A Song of Ice and Fire for Gérard Martin. Like I, I read the book, I started... read the raw manuscript. Ah, but there was like, um, it's uh, just, you know, a outline, you know, of all the series was supposed to go. And you had like, for mm -hmm. example, uh, Tyrion burning Winterfell, uh, having romantic chemistry with Arya Stark. Uh, it's completely different for what the result was compared to the, 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 the series that we had. And that's a really good example of someone you know that has let the character and the situation evolve as mm. they gone with us, you know, sticking to the line. And uh, I felt the result was better because you had like uh, a lot of really interesting events, like the the red wedding or the the Tyrion's fudge with his father or something that came up really as he went, as the author went. Compared to the original outline, you know that was a bit more uh, a bit more cliche in a way. I think it's some it's a concept that's somewhat difficult for non-authors to understand if you mm -hmm. don't have like experience writing, where we like between authors you often say, "Oh, I wanted to write this, but the character it, it just wasn't working, <laughs> yeah. and the character didn't want this to happen, or that the character wasn't fitting like in this." It's really hard to explain that to per people because like. To it's... a non-writer, the character is just like a pawn on the board, and you're just moving it around. Yeah, like, like right what do you mean? Just <laughs> make him do. What do you mean yeah, the but... character didn't do, like want to? I... Do, like it's not a person. It's not. A, it's not a real thing. I think I... The, the problem is that mm -hmm. people don't understand that you can have a better idea later than yeah. the one you had at the origin. Yes. Like, yeah. 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 Exactly. Like I always say that you. it's it's just um, a character. Like it's a plot point I hadn't considered while I was plotting. Mm -hmm. Right. Because. Well, in... the, yeah. In like that's the macro kind of thing, but like in the, the smaller scale too. If you if you ever, I I love watching things about cinematography because I find it it's an art form that matches writing quite a bit. Uh, a good director will sometimes look at a scene and say, "Oh, these characters have like a really good charisma. Like these yeah. actors have a good charisma. I'm going yeah. to like change the entire story yeah. in the moment because yeah." Hmm. Because what we're filming here is something that we could not have predicted when we were storyboarding. Yep. Uh, yeah, like and Terminator, that kind of moment happens you know? a lot in writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like to to go back with cinematography, as you said, Raven, like with Terminator, Schwarzenegger was supposed, you know, to play uh, Kyle Reeves instead of uh, the Terminator, and uh, it's only when the like the director saw him that he decided to cast him as. Uh, as a Terminator, as a violin instead, and it worked a lot better than if the the, the choice if he had sticked with his first choice. Mm. No, mm. and yeah, I, I yeah. think it's the same for a lot of us. Like you know, we have a general idea of what we want to do, but as we do it, we realize that it doesn't really work uh, sometimes, or like we have we need to change our mind or to to alter the, the conclusion. It's like that when facts change, you know, the conclusion should change as well. You know. And, yeah, uh, that's uh, something yeah. a lot of people say that don't understand because they have like an idealized view of the author as something that with a mastermind. Uh, yeah, we know what's going no. on all the time. They think we're smart. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> once, I would like to be the writer that my readers think I am. So, 
<laughs> Yo, like, uh, uh, sometimes we just fix, we make shit up on the fly, and uh, <laughs> it was our idea from the start. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I love that Neil Gaiman quote where he's like, foreshadowing is what happens when you finish a book and then go back and edit to make it look as though you knew what you were doing. Like, <laughs> I love exactly. I love that. So, hey, look, you wanted to say something, I think, uh, a few few minutes ago that you probably forgot. I yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, big ADHD energy over here. We, uh, um, we are all on the spectrum, like you said. <laughs> I'm pretty like I, I I used to say it as a joke, but then I realized when everyone started responding, like, "Oh yeah, same." Uh, I'm pretty sure we all are at some uh, to some yeah. degree. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, maybe maybe except for one person, Travis Baldry. I I don't know. Yeah. Like that guy is just. Uh, he, I'm pretty sure that you know the Warhammer 40k guys were like, "We need a template." For the God Emperor, and they looked at Travis Baldwin. <laughs> they just came, <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah, but, can, but we can't make him too nice. It's not believable." So, like, mm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That being said, though, we are at the almost at a one and a half hour, two hour mark, depending on how long this podcast went. I would very much like for you guys to do me a favor. So, first of all, thank you very much for listening and/or watching. I'm not done yet. If you want to see the rest of these questions answered or some of these, then please do go to my Patreon and I will list, list them all up and they will be there for you to vote on. So you can vote on the next questions that we are going to have answered on this podcast in about a month, hopefully. Fingers crossed. So voting, of the, voting for this will be open for two weeks after we are done like putting this out. And then you can vote on it. And then two weeks later, we're going to hopefully have another uh, discussion. And then it's going to be um, up there. It's probably going to be one week because I need time to edit all of this stuff. And <laughs> scheduling is hard. That's um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So that being said, I would love for all of you to pimp you on books because I feel as though giving you guys a platform is the least I can do for helping me out here. How much time do we have? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one book. Like, I'll take it back. Oh. Even one book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you could maybe do like a, like a, like a poker rap, but like with, uh, with your books. You know what? Uh, mm. If I had any singing talent, I, I, might, I might give it a try. <laughs> okay. Um, organize the hey, you... for next time. Hey, Lock, pimp your book. Uh... Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, my book, my first book is coming to Amazon on the 12th of March, Heretical Fishing. The pre-order will be up. Mm -hmm. uh, it should be up around the 13th of February. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. It's very nerve-wracking. Mm -hmm. um, it's a wholesome, cozy fantasy chaos mix. <laughs> I don't know what I'm... I don't know. I don't know how to... I honestly don't know how to describe it. I didn't call it cozy for like the longest time until talking to another cozy author. Like, yeah, it's totally cozy. Um, yeah, uh, fishing, chaos, cute animals. How cute? That's for you to decide, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a heartwarming story about a guy who gets isekai'd and then rather than, you know, accepting the choice to be the champion of fate, gods, whatever, he just really wants to go fishing. Hmm. That. I that probably should have really... asked you to describe it from the start. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good story. I can't do this for everyone because I haven't read everyone's book yet because even my day only has 24 hours and I also need to write. So um, who wants to go next? And why is it you, Maxime? Uh, 
but I'm a bit hesitating about which one to push because I have uh, a few coming in March. But oh, what no. can I say? <laughs> I want to yeah. post there. A few in March. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Did you? Hmm? Yes. Did you? F okay, I wanted to ask you if, if you finished uh, Commerce Emperor or um, uh, but for but but Commerce Emperor is going to Amazon on uh, March actually. Uh, but I just received the confirmation from my uh, narrator, Jack Brassi, that the last uh, Vainqueur the Dragon audiobook is oh. going to come out uh, on March. We have received the, the date from Audible. And uh, I'll say I'm probably going to push this because I intend to take the series to KU as well after, uh, after that. So, uh, yeah, if you want to, viewers, if you want to read the story about a dragon, and I mean like an actual dragon, not... Uh, But the humans that turn into a dragon, no, I mean like a giant fire-breathing lizard who kidnaps princess and uh, try to build his own and to become the best, uh, so the best dragon in the world. Uh, I really advise to check my uh, Vanquish the Dragon series. Uh, it's going to be fully on Audible by March, and uh, yeah, it's probably going to hit KU around that uh, that time. So if you want to check it on oh Railroad, etc., it's no, never. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Maxime! You are you are going to delist your book from Royal Road? <laughs> Heresy! Uh, but the problem is, uh, I've already explained it. But the, let's go back to what we said: the little PSG market is getting a lot overcrowded, and uh, Vancouver has been finished on Royal Road for like two yeah. or three years, so it doesn't really bring any new uh, viewers. And over time, you know, it's. Um, It's like erosion, you know, like you have, uh, it yeah. goes slowly goes down in the listing as new stuff comes up and uh, mm. it gets, uh, yeah, it gets uh, some reviews, etc. So at this point, I feel that if I don't put it on KU right now, uh, if I do it like in another year, it's going to be harder and harder to make it stand out on the yeah. KU it platform. Seems like good timing with the final audiobook release. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That money. So, yeah, it's. Yeah, and if anyone just... thinks like, "Oh my God, he's such a sellout!" Like, we all need to live. I've seen yeah. Maxime's uh... kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I mean, Evanson, I need uh, funds because I have uh, started to develop like uh, games and uh, uh, webtoons. Like, I'm trying to create more stuff, and yes. those require funds. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, you need to pay the artist <laughs> as well. <laughs> so you. You heard it here, probably not first, but you heard it here. Uh, Void Herald games. What? Void Herald games, webtoons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, also, yeah, like there, there I mean, is a there is a very my passion. I have uh, mm -hmm. development uh, videos of uh, what we're working on right now. Ooh. So it wanted the shelf for a few years, but uh, yeah, we were developing uh, developing stuff. It's news so, to me. So hopefully, we'll support oh. some people too. And you can uh, check out um, Maxim's. And of course, uh, also Halox and Ravenslager's Patreon, because that sounds like a very good deal. Cool. All right, Ravenslager, who are you? Uh, and which which of which of the 50 uh, books that you have published do you want to shout out? Honestly, <laughs> I'm gonna cheat a little, just 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 a smidge. I have a book coming out in mid February on 14th uh, called Magical Girl Crystal Genocide. <laughs> yeah. uh, People so who like, Machine, yeah, it's yeah. quite the name. Uh, people who like Dead Tired might actually really enjoy that one. It's like a parody comedy. It's, it's, it's a very funny book. Uh, at the same time, on the 1st of February, the sequel is launching on Royal Road as its own 
separate story. That one there is called uh, Magical Girl Rending Nightmare. And they're very different stylistically, uh, different books stylistically. Uh, they follow different characters in the same group. So basically it's like a 12 isekais in one to 12 different worlds with Ooh, 12 different cool. magic systems. So I had a lot of fun. So Crystal Genocide is kind of a typical fantasy world uh, with magic brain monsters. And Rending Nightmare is based on a uh, uh, roadside picnic uh, and stalker and like all these really old Eastern European Russian uh, novels that came out back in like the 70s and 80s. Uh, so it's it's very much inspired by by that kind of post-apocalyptic-ish genre. Uh, me. So it's it's quite a bit of fun. I've been having a lot of like a lot of like just a ton of fun doing like really deep dives into like random folklore of like a region that i've like some regions that i've never heard of before and i'm like diving into their old legends and stuff and digging out like cool tidbits i can steal <laughs> so i've been having a blast writing it i'm not really? sure if it's gonna do really well the, the sequel one because it's a little bit it's a bit weird but this is uh, the question rd how cute yes yes yes, yes definitely very very yes cute. <laughs> yes very cute. Uh, like <laughs> the post-apocalypse is like definitely good place for cute people don't uh, realize it imagine but, it uh, post a cuddle polyps th that that was frankly quite awful that was that was <laughs> that was terrible uh i think he mispronounced awesome <laughs> oh sorry sorry yeah uh, but like okay. the radiation so, like mutates the eyes so they get bigger so you yeah know, it's, it's great everyone's cute perfect everybody's so, cute Go visit go visit Haylock's uh, Patreon and also Void Herald's and mine and everyone else. Just not Raven Snagger, please. Raven Snagger has a Patreon. No. You check it out. Check it out. It's it's really great. And of course, the Good RPG Patreon. If you want to see all those other questions answered, uh, I'm going you to, to vote for trash up. characters like I'll be doing. Oh, definitely same. <laughs> Right, yeah, as long as I don't have to answer it myself, I'm really. Oh wait, we're it. answering this. Hang on. Oh, we are. Oh crap. Oh gosh. We are. Oh no. Uh, also, if you want to be as cool as Haylock, uh, then uh, consider subscribing because Haylock is a subscriber. That's true. I'm, there. I'm very, very happy about that because I can always say that Haylock is, is my sub. Anyway, uh, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.